Hi, and welcome to our service this morning. Good to have you with us. We're continuing our series in First John. A couple of weeks ago, you might recall I left you with a, a little formula, B plus L equals S, a simple little formula to describe the nature of discipleship. B means to believe in the name of Jesus Christ. Um, L means to uh, love one another. And when we fulfill those two commands, uh, it describes what the abiding life looks like to, to live in God. And, and it also is evidence of the fact that the Spirit of God lives in us. And, and that's captured in chapter 3, verses 23 to, to 24. Well, John now goes on and he talks about the outworking of those two important principles, which become commands for us to believe in the name of Jesus, to believe that Jesus is who he says he is. And Tom last week had a little bit of a look at that in the early verses of chapter four there. Uh, in, in, in those verses, Tom explored the, the nature of, of prophecy and a false prophet and the importance of discerning spirits so that we believe correctly. And now in these verses, verses 7 to 21, John is um, exhorting us to love lavishly. That's the second command there. So it is another exhortation to love. Um, it's, a, it's a beautiful picture of the extravagant love of God um, flowing from its source and cascading down like a waterfall, firstly to us, but then to, to others as well. And I'm going to ask somebody now to read that passage for us. First uh, John chapter 4, verses 7 through to 21. Good morning. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. Dear friends, let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. But anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. No one has ever seen God. But if we love each other, God lives in us and his love is brought to full expression in us. And God has given us his spirit as proof that we live in him and he in us. Furthermore, we have seen with our own eyes and now testify that the Father sent his Son to be the Saviour of the world. All who confess that Jesus is the Son of God have God living in them, and they live in God. We know how much God loves us, and we have put our trust in his love. God is love, and all who live in love live in God, and God lives in them. And as we live in God, our love grows more perfect. So we will not be afraid on the day of judgment 
but we can face him with confidence because we live like Jesus here in this world. Such love has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. If we are afraid, it is for fear of punishment and this shows that we have not fully experienced his perfect love. We love each other because he loved us first. If someone says, I love God, but hates a Christian brother or sister, that person is a liar. For if we don't love people we can see, how can we love God whom we cannot see? And he has given us this command, those who love God must also love their Christian brothers and sisters. Great. Thanks very much. Verse 7 opens the passage by saying, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Here's where I get the picture of a, of a waterfall of love and grace in an abundance, um, just, just flowing down, cascading down, firstly to us. And, and if you can picture a waterfall, um, huge, fresh, beautiful, if you can picture it, catching in a in a pool about about a third of the way down and this pool is a little bit like your life as it as it captures there it fills up the pool but then it flows over again and it and it overflows now to to others to the lives of others as well and and this really is a is an illustration perhaps of what John is describing here the lavish love of God cascading down to firstly us and filling our lives up but then overflowing to the to the others as well um, let's let's start by looking downstream where um the love of God is to is to fill up our lives and overflow to to others uh, this is this is captured really in verses 11 and 19, they say virtually the same thing. And that is that um, we love because God first loved us. We love because he first loved us. Verse 19 and verse 11 are pretty much saying the same thing there. This is the downstream impact of this this cascading waterfall. Um, There is a cause-effect relationship because God, there's the cause, because God has first loved us, we too now are to to love others. That's the effect. That's the effect of God's love on on our lives. In other words, um, we are called as disciples of, of Jesus Christ to allow the love that God has poured into our hearts to overflow now and to pour into the to the lives indeed the the hearts of other people around us and this has at least two implications for us firstly for us as a church and then secondly for us as the individuals that make up the church the first one the first implication is this and it has to do with our our witness god is god is essentially saying in these these verses that that others might perceive uh, what his love is like as they look in at the church loving one another. You could flip verse 19 around in a sense and you could say, well, um, people know that God has loved us because of the way in which we love others. In other words, our love, the unity of the church, the way that we love one another um, is is the evidence that that God's love 
is real, that it's that it's actually genuine. It's the downstream effect. It's the tasting the water downstream and saying, this is good. Whatever the source is, it has to be a good source. And as people see the church loving one another, they're able to say, well, that is good. That is that is genuine. That's the real stuff. Wherever, whatever their source is, um, I, I, I believe that, that that is true love. That is, that is real love. This is an extraordinary thing, isn't it? Really? Um, I, I, I guess our love for one another, in effect, is reflecting God's love for us. Um, in, in effect, God permits people to, to judge his character based on the character of the church. I don't know about you, but I find that extraordinary. And, and this, this, this really, really hits close to home for us, doesn't it? Uh, it's, a, it's an incredible principle. Imagine being, you know, if God needed consultants, imagine consulting with God and, and saying that this was a great idea, almost like his marketing team. Hey, God, l- let your reputation be determined by your church. You know, if I was, if I was in, uh, you know, perhaps one of the other departments, I would, I would probably raise a red flag right there and say, oh, no, no, God, I'd have to say as one of your advisors, I'm not going to do that. But of course, God doesn't need our advice, nor does he seek our counsel. He goes right ahead and he says, this is, this is the way that I want it to be. I do want people to judge my character based on the character of the church. I, I want them to know that my love is genuine based on the way that they genuinely, genuinely love one another. It's an extraordinary thing. And it, and it really um, hits home to the, the whole mission of the church. Sometimes we think that in-house, the way we love one another is just one of those nice things to do. But when we love people outside the church, that's mission. No, not at all. Because people outside the church, when we love them, will be trying to assess, is this genuine or not? Is it real or not? I know how I'll tell. What's it look like inside the church? Because if we love each other genuinely inside the church, well, it's got to be the real deal then. That has to be genuine, genuine love. I've mentioned this quote before, a quote by a, a missionary, Frank Lorbach, that the, the simple program of God for reaching the whole world is to make each believer so magnetic with the love of Jesus that others are drawn to him. As others see our love for one another, it's like a, it has a magnetism to it that, that, say, that makes God so attractive. The second implication for us, of course, is us as individuals. What happens when, when our reserves are low? What happens when that feels impossible? It feels like I've, I've got nothing to, to give. Um, we, we might feel a little bit like a, a reservoir in a catchment area during a drought. Just nothing has been flowing into us and, and and here we are trying to dish out meager portions of love to a very, very needy world and some people who are very difficult to love. How can we do that? We we feel like we're just right waiting for the next rain to come so that we've got more to give. Well, that picture is wrong. That picture of of us being in an isolated reservoir of love and grace dishing what we have out to to others that's that's not the picture that john is capturing here so let's go back upstream 
and, and we'll get a sense of what it is that John is saying. John is saying that when we love, we love out of the reserves that God has poured into us. When we love others, it's not out of our own reserves as if we're this lonely little reservoir. Not at all. Not at all. He asks us to turn around and to, to look at the lavish outpouring of love into our lives. And he does this in verse 10, verses 15 and verses 17. Verses 10, John reminds us of the atoning work of Jesus. In verse 15, he reminds us that, that because of this atonement, we now have this invitation to, to live with God, to live in God, which is, which is a great definition of what it means to be a disciple. The word with and in is the same word, um, to share life with God, to share life in God. And, and then in verse 17, he talks about the fact that we can have confidence when we face his judgment, we don't have to fear anymore because of the righteousness that, that Christ has now bestowed upon each of us. And so in verses 10, 15, and 17, um, John describes this lavish love. Uh, let, let me read, for instance, in verse, um, verse 10, this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Christ has washed away our sins. The, the, the record has is, is, is been obliterated. Um, his righteousness is, is now ours. And, and we can now do life with God, share life with God, share life in God. We stand before him with absolute confidence because we have no fear of, of judgment. Um, and now here's the most remarkable, remarkable thing about this passage. Now, I need to ask you a couple of questions before I, before I mention this, because it really is a, an incredible truth. Um, I'm not exaggerating when I tell you you are going to find this hard to believe. So firstly, let me go back, because remember, the two principles are believe in the name of Jesus Christ and to love one another. Well, sometimes before we can love, we need to, we need to check our beliefs are correct. So let me just ask you again, do you believe in the name of Jesus Christ? Do you believe he is who he says he is? Do you believe that what he says in his word is true? Okay, you got those, you got those locked away? Okay, now here's, here's an incredible truth. Look at the rest of verse, verse 17. We can have confidence, yes. We can have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. In this world, we are like Jesus. Now, it doesn't say in this world you will be like Jesus. You're becoming like Jesus. We are like Jesus. Well, what was Jesus like? Well, when it came to sin, he, he knew he was sinless. He, he knew that he had the favor of God upon him. Think about those, that moment at his baptism and, and later at his transfiguration where, where the father actually voiced his love for the son. Jesus did not live in fear. He lived in favor. Let me say that again. Jesus did not live in fear. He lived in favor. He knew the love and the grace that were characteristic of his father, and he knew 
that like a cascading waterfall, it was flowing to him continuously all the time. In this life, we are like Jesus. This is an invitation for you and I to believe this truth, that in this life, we should, we should walk on earth as we are known in heaven. We are like Jesus. We, we are living lives of favor, not fear. The love of God and the grace of, law, of, of God is such that we now live in, in his favor. In this life, in this world, we are like Jesus. We are called by him. We are chosen by him. We are his children. We are the recipients of, of lavish amounts of love and grace. And there is nothing to fear. In this world, we are like Jesus. We are walking in God's favor. It's an extraordinary thing, isn't it? A beautiful, beautiful, beautiful truth. And God is asking us, instead of worrying, looking out at the needs of the world and our, our diminished reserves of love and worrying, how can we, how can we dish this out and not, not totally run dry? Instead of thinking about this, this passage this way, he's inviting us to turn around and to, to look up at the lavish resources of God that are ours in Christ Jesus, his love and his grace cascading towards us and flowing over us and drenching us and saturating us. Here is an invitation to live in that, to look up and, and to receive once more the love of God and the grace of God that is ours in Christ Jesus, to turn around and be amazed once more by, by grace, to let it flow over you and flow over myself in, in an abundance. And then as we receive it, as we, as we absorb the love of God, it will fill us up and it will overflow towards others as well. You see, the more you receive it, the more you actually have to, to give away. John is issuing us a, an invitation to, to turn once more back to your heavenly father. If you feel dry, if you feel that you've, you, you've lost something of your passion for God, that, that your reserves are low, that you are, you are struggling in your Christian walk, today, like every day, is an invitation to, to turn to your heavenly Father and, 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 and just delight in his presence, to know his favor and to experience once more the lavishness of his love and the outpouring of his grace upon your life. It's dealt with your sin. It's enabled you to live life with him every day, every moment. It's the most beautiful thing, and it gives you confidence on that final day of, of judgment that you can stand before him, and there is no condemnation whatsoever in Christ Jesus. It's beautiful, isn't it? And today is an invitation for you to enter once more into the lavishness of your Father's love. Let it fill you up again and let it overflow to a needy world waiting to see and to taste and to experience the love of God. We're going to, we're going to celebrate that love um, together in, in just a moment. 
by taking um, the two two symbols that demonstrate the the love of of God for us in Christ Jesus.